You're listening to the Platte River Bard. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And we are here today with Stephen Santa, the artistic director of the Omaha Community Playhouse, and he's here to talk with us a little bit about a whole bunch of stuff. Thanks yeah. for coming and talking with us today. Thank Welcome. you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here to speak with you. And, um, you know, we've got lots to talk about, I'm sure. So, Oh, yes. And welcome to Nebraska, by the way. Thank you very much. Yes, indeed. Yes. Well, I was working on Christmas Carol when you first came and everybody said hi and it was really great. And uh, Yeah, you got here in November. Yeah, November no. 1 was my first day and I actually arrived on Halloween. That's oh. right. And then... Uh, spent some time like looking at the trick-or-treaters and then <laughs> the next day I was just kind of thrown into the world of the playhouse yeah. yes and Christmas Carol was uh, uh, came off really great this year and um, it was nice to uh, and you know you were there the whole time just absorbing yeah. everything because wow there's a lot to absorb yeah you know I, f- <laughs> I found it the perfect time to start because I just immediately got immersed right into the pl- right into the playhouse and you know, being able to observe Christmas Carol, everyone was telling me all of their stories about the history of it. And, you know, they're saying my son was in it and then we were in it together and now they're grown and, you know, or my child has played every part that you could play (laughs) from age eight all the way up to adulthood. (laughs) So it was like the best kind of just way to start my time here, just being loaded with all of these amazing memories Mm -hmm. of Christmas Carol and really understanding how important the show is to the community. It was, it was really nice. It really is, and uh, and and you had a heck of a guide uh, coming in here with uh, Susie, so you can't yes. you can't ask uh, for a better uh, introduction than having Susie kind of show you around. Absolutely, <laughs> and it's so I think it's so exciting for actors to come and perform on the stage. It's the same stage that Henry Fonda. So many people have first and, dad and yes, Marlon Brando and, and his Boyd mother. And yeah. It's just. Yes. A, a kind of a really nostalgic place. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that really attracted me to this position was that history and knowing that the Playhouse is getting very close to its 100th anniversary and being yes, part of the planning right. of that. And we've already kind of started that. Oh, wow. So that was yeah, sure. really exciting. Um, just a prospect of thinking, wow, I can be a part of celebrating this amazing organization's Huge 100th anniversary. anniversary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's an exciting year for OCP too because they are you know giving their actors money for performing which is something that hadn't happened before that's a big recent deal coming in an exciting time yeah i have nothing to do with that because that'll (laughs) happen before me but i will say on one of my interviews for the job Mm -hmm. i actually was asking about that because i said well your runs are really extensive you're doing four five week runs Mm -hmm. plus a six week rehearsal sometimes seven weeks that is a huge time commitment, commitment for community members had you ever considered any sort of compensation for your performance and they said well actually this <laughs> season we just started that and i was like yes yeah. that is amazing that yeah. was a huge deal i it remember was. that was a big deal and, and and still is and uh now now you jumped in in, in november and figured everything out but now this is your first show that you're actually directing at the Playhouse, correct? Yes, Which Kinky would Boots. be Kinky Boots, mm-hmm. which is going on right now. You just had your opening weekend. We had a fantastic opening yes. weekend. I was so happy on our preview. 
the audience just immediately shot up to their feet at the bows and they stayed oh, up and they were dancing and clapping and waving throughout the whole entire bows, which was exactly what the show needs yeah. and deserves. So I was so thrilled to see that response from our audiences and it happened every night since. So I, I can hope that trend continues as well, but the show just leaves you with such an incredible high and such an incredible message. So um, it's it's hard to resist not standing up and, and, and dancing along with the actors up there. I remember seeing the casting of it and you have an incredible cast and what a heck of a show to come in on. Are there are there any tickets left? Yeah. I, oh, okay. I was gonna say because I, I I saw something uh, the other day that was saying uh, better get them now. They could be gone. So yeah. uh, I guess they are going quickly. But yes, there are That's still great. tickets left for Kinky Boots. There okay. are. Yeah. There's always Good. tickets to be had. Um, okay. You know, particularly on those Wednesday evening performances, we have those seem sure. to have the most tickets availability. But then you get into the weekend, it gets a little trickier. But yeah, there's still lots of tickets available. Okay. As far as oh, as far as specifically Kinky Boots, what was well? Is this a play that you had? had experience either being in or directing before so because you've done a lot of stuff so yeah, yeah i have an interesting kind of connection to um kinky boots okay i'm not i'm gonna i guess i'm going to name drop but <laughs> oh, that, that's um, fine i'm from pittsburgh where mm -hmm. uh, billy porter is from okay who famously starred in the broadway production of kinky boots right. and won a tony award for it and yeah, it kind of right propelled him into the celebrity that he has now. Yeah, that was his big deal. Yeah. And um, I had the fortunate opportunity to work with Billy on several productions in my career and became friends. So I got to see the show with my mom. We went two weeks before the Tony Awards. Okay. And got to go backstage after the show and talk to Billy. And it's one of my fondest memories because we all were kind of in this dressing room and having this moment of reflection saying like, your life is about to change. And yeah. like the electricity in the show that night in the room, knowing that it was two weeks from the Tonys and everyone was saying he was gonna win, he the was show the was favorite. gonna win. Yeah. And we were just like having this moment of just being on this precipice of wow, just like, what's gonna happen? Yes. So that's a really special memory to me. And you know, pre-Kinky Boots, Billy would text me back in like, <laughs> Five, ten minutes. Post Kinky Boots, post, you know, Grammy and Emmy and Golden Globe. Just say, you I'll know. give him a text and like maybe two weeks later I get a response. Yeah. Sorry, well, I just, but I understand. Hey, you know, yeah, yeah. It's okay, good for him. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah. Um, so I just, my connection to the show is just that. Yeah. That I had this kind of special memory with, with Billy and kind of was with him through the whole process of it. And, yes. you know, I remember him saying, um, I have this show coming up and Cindy Lauper wrote the music and it's either going to be really good or I don't know, but we're, yeah. we're hoping something amazing happens with it. And lo and behold, here we are. And, um, you know, it won all these Tonys and it's just being produced all over the world. And, and that was, this is from a Harry Firestein book. Yes, yes. Okay. So it was a book first. That's right. I thought it was a book first. And then Lauper did all the music all the music and, and the lyrics and everything. Yes, for there it. was a film version. I saw that one. Yeah. Yes. Um, from that. the UK from like 1995, mm -hmm. I think. And then they made it into the musical with when Harvey wrote the book and Cindy wrote all the music. And okay. um, boy, it's just, it's just such a celebration of, of love and acceptance and community. And, you know, it's, it's just a joy to watch. And it was a joy to rehearse. We had such a good time in the rehearsal room. And it's very rare that performers ask for extra rehearsals. Oh. Wow. But these dancers were wow. like, oh, we need more time working on these dances. Um, so they were scheduling more rehearsals. And I was like, great. 
You want more time? We will give it to you. If, if you're really that dedicated to making it the best it can be, let's do it. That so is fantastic. That was really a wonderful thing to see. Gosh, I was going to ask you what was one of the biggest challenges, but I don't know. Was there sort of an unexpected challenge with this that you went into it? The Definitely the biggest challenge is um, the treadmills. So if you don't know the show, okay. in Act, the, the very end of Act 1, there is a huge dance number where the um, conveyor belts that are used throughout the show to move shoes along that are packaged up, right. they magically kind of transform into, into dancing spaces and they rotate around the stage and the actors are on them dancing while they're moving. While they're moving. So we, we had to build those from scratch. And there's no kind of guide about how to make a moving conveyor belt treadmill no. and then how to put actors on it. And, you know, so <laughs> learn, learn as you go. Yeah, it was one of those things that, you know, Michelle Garrity, who was our fantastic choreographer, yes. staged the number. And we were very clear that saying we're going to stage this knowing that whenever we get these treadmills and get them in the room, things are going to change. Yeah, And the cast was so up for that, for knowing, okay, now we have these things, now we know how they move, what speed they go. They were so up for just being able to adapt and work on their feet and mm -hmm. make the number the best it could be. So that was certainly a unique experience, kind of navigating these this really kind of incredible prop of a, of a moving treadmill dance floor. I'd forgotten about that. Part. Yeah, That's but it looks right. great. God, so to, worth it. You got to build the whole thing. That's right. I was, yeah, because yeah. yeah. Well, when you think of that, it's like, yeah, you just go out and get. No, you can't go out and get one. No. Of those. <laughs> yeah, we actually bought four treadmills from Target. Oh. <laughs> All and right. then our shop basically just ruined the warranty by taking them apart. No. And, yeah, they were like, "There's no warranty left on these things because no. they're unrecognizable now." Sure. But they did a fantastic job. They could do anything. Designing and creating them. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. Yeah. But you probably had a good comfort level with it, too, then. You knew what you wanted to see, and that probably really helped with your casting as well. Yeah, for, for sure. Now, I didn't cast the show because it was cast prior to my arrival because it was oh. supposed to happen pre-pandemic. Yes, mm. and it got pushed back. But yeah. thankfully, yeah. it was cast <laughs> to perfection, good. which makes my job very, very yes. easy when it's <laughs> cast so well. Yes, indeed. And you're almost ready for your last production of the season. So you're almost ready for to do Respect in June. Yeah, yeah, so Respect. you're in rehearsals for that right yes. now. Are you directing that one? Or? Kathy Tyree is directing Respect, and she un, um, has an ensemble of um, six incredible female voices. And it, it's an original piece that is all music from the 60s and 70s um, with a very kind of light script, just kind of talking about the history of these songs and why they're important. And it's really meant to be just a fun night out for audiences mm -hmm. to hear some really recognizable tunes um, and just hear some incredible voices singing these songs, yeah. Almost done with that. And then you start your new season that I know you've announced, but we thought we would come in and kind of hear what you've got going and which ones that you had planned on directing. So when I arrived too in November, it was kind of right towards the end of the season planning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I got to be a part of that for the sort of end of the process, okay. which was really exciting. but. Boy, we have put together kind of a blockbuster season. I was. It really is. Yeah. It really is. I was looking over it again, and I, I had forgotten everything that you guys put into this season. This is an incredible season. Yeah, you know, I was <laughs> I was talking to someone about it the other day, and I was saying we're doing musicals like Rent, Dreamgirls, um, In the Heights, yeah, um, Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, Little Shop. You know, these are these are shows that like maybe others other. other 
theaters will do one per season and say that's our big blockbuster. That's a, yeah. yeah, we're doing all of them in one. Season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's one season. That's still the same season, and yeah. there's still more. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. So we'll start off the season um, with a play called The Legend of Georgia McBride, mm-hmm. and then our first big musical this season is School of Rock, which I'm yes. so thrilled about. So The Legend of Georgia McBride is going to be in August, and then School of Rock starts in September. I, I had not seen uh, Georgia McBride. I read a little bit about it. This sounds uh, this sounds hilarious. So it's what like a, like an out of work Elvis impersonator, essentially kind of subs in for his friend's drag show, and what turns out he's really good at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know we're ending the season with drag, and we're yeah. opening the season I was, with yeah, drag. I was, yeah. yeah, it's a little balance there. Maybe some of the boots will make it into both shows. Uh, it's, uh, the customers would probably be really happy. <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's a really fantastic um, play that was off Broadway by uh, okay. Matthew Lopez. Okay. Um, and you kind of hit you kind of got the plot just right. This this young man who has a um, a fiance. He is a out of work. Um, Elvis impersonator at kind of this dive bar and, and the bar is not doing well and the owners say okay we have to we have to get this bar revamped how can we do that let's bring in some drag queens okay and one of the drag queens has a diva moment doesn't want to go on and he is <laughs> thrust onto the stage and becomes Georgia McBride Georgia McBride yes. okay yeah so it's hilarious and the script is really fun because there's this wonderful story happening and then the playwright is kind of stuck in all of these drag numbers in between. Okay. So it's really presentational, super fun, and I think people will just have a blast with it. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I had not seen it. I'm actually looking forward to seeing that. Um, Now, School of Rock, huge. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be huge. And a bunch of kids in this one. And the kids... When you license the show, it's very fascinating. They, they tell you that the kids have to play live on stage. Oh, yeah. It's part of the contract. They say they can't be dubbed over. They can't be pretending. Hmm. So when you come, you're going to see a full live rock band of children 10 to 14. I wow. didn't realize that. Yeah. Wow. That's and that's the deal when you do the show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so we have have an amazing partnership with the Omaha Conservatory of Music. They've been helping us. Mm-hmm get the kids prepared, doing audition workshops. Yeah. We have a ton of kids sign up to audition, which is actually happening this God, weekend. Yeah. Um, but people, I think, also don't realize that there's a lot of amazing roles for adults in the show, too. I think people just oh. think, oh, it's, a, it's about the kids. But there's some really wonderful roles for, for adults in School of Rock as well. But um, it is really kind of about the kids well yes yeah. of course yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But no but the adults have some good stuff too for sure for sure yeah you do want to come and see the kids rock out yeah, yeah. absolutely for real yeah <laughs> well and and there isn't always um a play that has main mainly children in it and is part of your your regular season isn't maybe something that's separate for children so yeah and why i was really excited about this show being on our season is I was just thinking about if I were a kid and when I was a kid, if I would have come to the playhouse and seen kids on stage doing something so incredible, yeah. it would have inspired me to go pick up an instrument or go yes. take an acting class or go take a voice lesson. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that's what happens here is that we put to- together this incredible production with these amazing you know, children musicians and it inspires everyone who comes yeah. to, to get involved in the arts in, in some capacity. Yeah, that's great. That absolutely will happen. I've 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 heard um, a couple of children that are 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 uh, uh, sons and daughters of some friends of mine who came 
to see a couple of shows I was in that happened to have a, a lot of kids and kids parts and kids with lines and like yeah. real parts and stuff like that. And that had never occurred to them that they, they could, could just go too, do yeah. that. That was, you know, that they wouldn't just be a part of the chorus. And so they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just this little play they went to see. And it was just, uh, I can do that. Well, yeah, you can. And remember, they asked me after the show. So the kids just come on audition. Yeah, just like everybody else. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that could be you up there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you got to work. You got to work out. Yeah. But that could right. be you. Yeah. And yeah. And they went and did it. Yeah. And it was just the neatest experience. And I had never, I had, I'd never experienced that before. But it was yeah. And it was they had seen all the other kids doing that. And speaking of Winch, I, I know I'm kind of throwing a. A, a wrench into our flow for the season, but um, you you are you have a really heavy ba- education background, and then of course the yes. Hockney Playhouse has has their own programs for kids too. So, and you're probably working at heading that up as well. Yeah, so. um, I do have. I've had done a lot of theater education uh, in my past, and it's super important to me. And you know, we're currently in the process of sort of reevaluating what the educational programming can look at look like at the playhouse okay um and just kind of taking a step back to look at the landscape of theater uh in omaha and really understanding the communities that maybe aren't being served and maybe there's a way that um, we can make some impact within those communities with uh, theater education so Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of things in the works that i'm really excited about cool yeah well, we will be back to hear more about Yes, that definitely. Then. Yeah, yeah, that's because that's a big part of the Playhouse <laughs> yeah. is all the education and yeah, all the programs and stuff that go on done. here for sure. So then after that, you're doing the cake. The cake. The cake, which I'm not familiar with at all. What is the cake? The cake is a fantastic comedy. It's written by um, Becca Brunstetter, who um, is a writer on the hit TV show This Is Us. Okay. Um, and the <laughs> story was inspired by the Supreme Court case with the um, Catholic bakery that did not want to bake a cake for a gay couple. Okay. Now, um, the story revolves around a baker in the South. She's um, in her 60s, and she's kind of beloved in the community. She's, she's a wonderful baker, and her goddaughter comes back from New York and says, I'm coming home, I'm getting married, you have to make my cake. It just so happens she's getting married to a woman. Okay. So the struggle here is, you know, do you stay true to your to your values, to your faith, but how does that damage the relationship with your family mm-hmm. and your friends? Um, and what's kind of brilliant about the show is that it doesn't alienate anyone in the audience when you come see it, even though it is kind of dealing with these kind of socially relevant topics. Right. It's presented in a in a really smart way. That it's full of comedy. And it's really more about the characters and their okay. struggles than it is kind of um, politics oh, in about any way. the issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's not preachy. It's not yeah. preachy at yeah. all. And I love that um, at the end of the play, the playwright writes, the play's over, but when the audience exits, they should be greeted in the lobby with a slice of cake and encouraged to stay and talk. And we're going to do that. Oh wow! So when you, w- with your ticket, you'll get a little slice of cake on the oh. way out. Yeah. How neat is that? But I was really excited about this show because um, it's important to me that we're programming shows that are going to spark conversation. Yes. Um, and I feel like this play will do that, and mm-hmm. and it'll Absolutely. get people talking, and it'll, it'll get people discussing on the way home, and hopefully for days after, yeah. um, what they saw, and uh, I think that's 
a really powerful thing that that theater can do. Yes, it can be escapism. You can come and have a good time. For sure. But it can also spark conversation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All good theater does, even if it is escapism. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So after that is Christmas Carol. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. And of course, after that, Christmas Carol. Yes. Are you, who's doing Christmas Carol? There will be a directing team involved, of course. Yeah. Um, and I will be on that team uh, to, you know, still get familiar with the show and and how it is put together because it is such a, um, a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts, and <laughs> it's a it's a well oiled machine. And uh, you know, I really want to make sure I'm immersed in my in all of that. Um, but Susie will be back to kind of work on the show this year too, which will be great. Excellent. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that'll be super fun. And then you're gonna do. Another Christmas show, but it's got a, a little bit shorter run than Christmas Carol. You're going to do Sisters Christmas Catechism. The, yeah, the mystery of the Magi's gold. Yes, yes. Okay, it sorry. is, um, <laughs> you know, Sister is back. I know she's been here before at the Playhouse, and this is her holiday show, which is so fun. Um, there's a, a there's a little bit of audience interaction in this show. There's interaction in all of her shows. Oh, so but, yeah, 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 yeah. But she creates the whole manger scene up on stage by pulling people out of the audience and put some costume pieces on them and um, there is a holiday choir that's involved in the show that's full of local artists so it's going to be such a fun show That'll be neat. Um, and a way to get some some people involved in the play in the show as well which is great yeah yeah, yeah I, 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 little descriptor on the website said she does it's a little bit of a CSI Bethlehem <laughs> yes <laughs> which I think sounds hysterical yeah those shows are a lot of fun yeah that'll be good and then August Wilson's Wilson's Fences. Yeah. And you have another connection to his shows. Yeah, you know, I, I said I, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where August Wilson was born and raised. And I said when I got here, well, I have to bring a little bit of Pittsburgh with me. So yeah. let's do some August Wilson. Awesome. For sure. And our um, play reading committee was all on board for that. And, you know, I'd asked why the playoffs had never done August Wilson before. And, you know, I was got some education that the John Beasley Theater was in town and for many years they were doing the August Wilson and they were doing a lot of great work and they the players felt like you know uh, we don't want to step on their toes they're Mm -hmm. doing such tremendous work doing August Wilson Um, but it's time it is and I'm so happy that we're going to so good yeah yeah you know it's August Wilson's writing is so lush and it's almost like poetry and I just think that Fences is the is the right play to kind of intro not to introduce, but you know, to um, a way to bring August Wilson to the Playhouse yeah. with yeah. with the play that's kind of the most kind of accessible, recognizable. There was a film version of it, you know, with with uh, Denzel and Viola Davis yes. that got was really well received, and um, I'm just I'm just thrilled that we're going to be able to present it on the main stage. I, I kind of told you before, but I, I mm-hmm. kind of just tell the story again because I think it's so amazing. Yeah. Um, Coming from Pittsburgh, there's a theater company called Pittsburgh Playwrights Theater, and okay. um, their artistic director um, worked with August Wilson. And uh, a few years ago, his uh, childhood home became a historic landmark, and this theater company was able to present August Wilson's works in the backyard yeah. of his childhood yeah. home. So oh you would gosh. sit there on bleachers, and they did fences, and they would come in and out of the actual house and they had chickens in the yard <laughs> and you could hear the cars driving by and you could hear the neighborhood and you could feel the wind and it was the most 
magical theater experience I've ever had in my entire life to be watching someone's words in the house, in yeah. the backyard of the house they grew up in. Right. Uh, it's just, it was just such a remarkable experience. Yeah. And a place that he was most likely inspired by. Yeah. Oh, for, for sure. Yeah. Because he wrote, yeah, very much what he knew and, <laughs> and of his area. And uh, that would have been absolutely amazing. And, and do, do they still do regular uh, plays and stuff at, at his, yeah. at his yeah. home still? I believe they're returning in 2023. Obviously, they took a break yeah. during the pandemic sure. and everything. But yeah, I, I think they're returning soon. So That's amazing. God, if you're ever up in Pittsburgh. Right. Go do that. <laughs> yes, there oh you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, a neat ex- that's really neat, and that's, it's neat that you're bringing it here. Um, is that one that you're going to direct then? Since you're- no, our new um, associate artistic director, his name is Brady Patsy, he will be okay. uh, directing Fences. Okay. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. But the next show, I will be directing. Oh. That, that will be Rent. Yes. Oh, you're doing Rent? I am. And All right. it's so funny because I have a rent tattoo <laughs> um i have I, a he owns okay, up to I, it i was not expecting <laughs> yeah i know there are like 20 different things i would expect you would say and i so you say that i love rent obviously <laughs> yeah and i have never had the opportunity to direct it oh wow okay and i've always wanted to it's just kind of always escaped me in some way and you know, when I arrived, the season planning committee had already chosen it, so I didn't even have to pitch it. It was already oh, wow. happening. It was already happening. But I... It's like they knew. It's like they knew, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did kind of say to them, if I'm going to direct this, I would really like to do it in the Howard Drew. I saw that was it. Yeah. It's a Howard Drew, yeah. Yeah, because I, I want to present it in a more kind of intimate, immersive setting, and I, mm. I think that um, everyone is... It's such an iconic show, and it's... it's it's a period piece at this point. Yeah. God, if you think about yes. that, isn't that I wild? Know, I know. God, yeah. I know. Rent is, rent is a period piece. Oh my God. But that's why it was so important to me to kind of present it in a new invigorating way. Yeah. Um, because it's was the original staging is so iconic and people are so used to seeing it in a proscenium way. And I, and I want to kind of mix it up a little bit and, um, be able to have the show kind of be in your face and f- and have the audience feel like they're they're really a part of it and um, I'm I'm just really exciting excited to to present it in such an intimate immersive way. Yeah, they will for sure in there. Yeah, I was actually legitimately surprised. I was expecting to see that was going to be on the main stage, and I was like, ooh, no. <laughs> well, I will I will have all the discretion and not ask you exactly where your tattoo is, but I'm very excited <laughs> that you're going to be directing that one. Yes. So, anyway. Thank you. <laughs> and then the next one after that you're going to do is Dream Girls. Yeah, wow. She had two big ones right in a row here. Yes. Um, you know, when we were <laughs> season planning, I went online to kind of look at how big the cast of Dream Girls is. And I looked at the original Broadway production, and there were 34 people in it, mm. which is huge. Yeah. And then I was like, wow, I have to go and see because nowadays people don't do shows with that many people in it because it's so expensive. If you're thinking of like from a professional setting, they're like 34 people, we can't do that. Right. Um, so I wanted to go look and see what other theaters have done and how small their casts have been. And it looks like the mm-hmm. smallest cast I was able to find 
was there was a West End production that happened a few years ago that had 28. So it still has to be. So there's no way that Dreamgirls can be small. It is a spectacle. It is a huge production. And Kathy Tyree is directing. um, And wow, we're just so excited about it because of that high quality production value. The costumes, someone said there's like over 50 wigs in it. Yeah, they say the costumes have to be insane for that. Yeah, there's, there's, there are literal costume changes where someone walks behind a curtain and walks right back out and they're in a new costume in like oh, so oh, like oh. a two second scene change. Wow. So it'll be it'll be amazing for us to kind of figure all those things out um, and welcome such a large cast to the playhouse. And mm-hmm. um, there's nothing more iconic than and I'm telling you. As a musical theater song, I mean yeah. that's that's one of the ones that that's huge now. It's just yeah. unbelievable yeah. To, see, to, to see performed. That caught on and kind of stayed with us. Yeah, yeah. And for just sure. looking at your all of your list, including you know what you've got going now for Kinky Boots, you have to keep your customers really busy. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have yes. to have a really strong, talented costume staff as well to which, pull it off. Which we do, and you know another reason why I was so thrilled to come here was. Places like this don't exist anymore, where you come here and there's a full, fully staffed costume shop, a fully staffed scenic shop, yeah. where every single show is created from scratch. Yeah. It just doesn't happen anymore. Right. It's such a unique, incredible place. And when I came here to tour, I was just so blown away by that. And just like, wow, this could be my life, being able to create mm-hmm. these shows from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, with these incredible artists and incredible talent here. So I'm just, I'm still kind of pinching myself that I get to come here every day and and be a part of such a unique organization. It's really interesting, especially because I haven't been around the country a lot, but this type of thing is a lot more rare than you would think. Absolutely. I've I've spent the last 15 years freelance directing all over the country. And, you, you know, people are renting sets, renting costumes, you know, or not be able to do the scale of what's happening here. So the fact that there's these really large scale, incredible productions that is all completely handcrafted locally is just totally unheard of. Well, and then in the next one, you've got a puppet for Little Shop of Horrors. So, speaking of rental, this is a famous show. Where are we going to rent the plant? Let me tell you about this, too, because. I like puppets. You're going to be surprised to hear that I also have a Little Shop of Horrors tattoo. Oh, no, you don't. Where are all these tattoos? That is fantastic. (laughs) So, I illustrated, man. I know. I kind of came here and all. I'm not seeing it, folks. All of my bucket list shows are happening in my first in season. First season. And again, Little Shop of Horrors was not my idea. It was already kind of in the, already in the works. And I was just like, wow. The stars have ah. aligned. Yeah. So. Such a fun show. Um, I have a Little Shop of Horrors tattoo. It is probably my favorite show. I've, I've directed it. I've performed in it. Um, I've helped theaters with the puppetry as kind of a puppetry coordinator. Think about like a, like a fight choreographer, but for puppetry. Like how do you do all the deaths and make them safe? Um, how do you manipulate all the puppets? So yeah. I've seen a lot of sets okay. of puppets, homemade sure. sets, rentals. Um, so when we were planning the show, I knew exactly where to go to find the best puppets. And in my opinion, we have the best puppets in America coming to Omaha oh. for this production. Uh, it's by a company called Monkey Boys Productions. Okay. They just built the set for the 
um, off-Broadway production that's happening now. Okay. Um, and these puppets are a little different, but the kind of same scale and same size, and they are unbelievable. Oh, yes. Wow. So I'm puppets. so excited yes. about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then just to to find people that have the ability to do the puppets, sometimes that's that can be a challenge as well. So you're going to be looking for someone who's done. Yeah, who's I've been able to move it. I've found that through my experience, the best people to puppet the shows are musicians, particularly drummers, hmm. because you're, sometimes your legs and your arms have to be doing different mm -hmm. things in the puppets. Mm -hmm. So finding someone that already understands that and understands music and can kind of you know yes. rub their head and pat their tummy at yes. the same time make for the best puppeteers for Little Shop. That's How really smart. Yeah. I like that. How very interesting. And then after that, you're going to do Pretty Fire, which I've never heard of. Yeah. So. yeah, that's a new one on me, Pretty Fire. Yeah, Pretty Fire is an incredible one-woman show by okay. Charlene Woodard. That's and um, it is loosely based on her life growing up as a black woman and a black child in the Jim Crow era South. Okay. It's very powerful. Mm -hmm. It's full of memory. It's one, one actor on stage, and she plays herself as a child, as an adult, her mother, her grandmother, members of the community, and it all just happens seamlessly through this incredible storytelling. Um, so it's a beautiful play, and I'm really happy that we're gonna be able to produce it. Sounds amazing. And I always like one-person shows. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, because it doesn't matter, it seems like uh, every one-person show I've ever seen is always very moving or very funny, it's always it always seems to be incredibly relevant and and the person who is doing it is usually one of the better or best actors you've seen in a long time yeah because they have to be i, I know yeah. and that's the thing and yeah, yeah and when it's, you're it's just amazing to see these kind dialogue. of shows so mm -hmm. i'm yes and no I, break and uh, i know a lot of people are kind of weird about one person shows They're like oh how does that work well that I, that always excites me because i'm like wow who did they get yeah. yeah exactly yeah yeah and what are they and they're they're going to be incredible and you're going to see a show <laughs> and that will be intimate too because that will be in the howard drew yes that's howard drew as well so. that's in the howard That'd drew which um will be really nice yeah. yeah and then your last show is in the heights yeah yeah and finish June off of with a little yeah lin-manuel exactly <laughs> you know um uh just a wonderful theatrical moment. I mean, yeah. In the Heights is just, I mean, I prefer it more than Hamilton, that that's just me. Re really? I just like, like I a little just, more than Hamilton. Yeah, I just like yeah. the music and I and I connect with the characters a little more in, in uh -huh. the Heights and, yeah. um, you know, I'm just excited to see it on, on the Playhouse stage and, you know, we're going to be collaborating with some local Latinx organizations and I think it will be a nice moment for us to hopefully get some new people into the playhouse who maybe have never been here before yeah. on stage and off. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So you have really worked so many places. So I, I did a little bit of a deep dive into your background. Um, 50 musicals and plays. I think you tend to like musicals. You, you're more, <laughs> you're more into that realm yeah. Yeah. than straight plays. Yes. I, um, I don't think maybe on purpose. I think I just kind of, my career Ended kind of there. went into the musicals. Yeah. Okay. And then for a few years, I kind of said, well, you know what? I don't want to get labeled as like the musical guy. 
I yeah. so I took some time and, and did some more um, plays and uh, I love working on plays. But yeah, I mean, I think that my love for theater started with musicals and I have a great understanding of how to craft a musical from a directing standpoint and um, it brings me such joy to, to, to do it. So, but when I get my hands on a really great play, it's super exciting as well. Yeah. So you're not, you're not in your last leg of your career. You're still pretty young, really. And yet you've worked at all of these different places. You've got, what, 13 other theaters that you've worked in, including um, the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh in Scotland and some other places in New York, International Theater Off-Broadway, National Tours, um, Regional Theater. You've worked at all these different different places, and yet you ended up here, and we're so thankful that you have been. Yes. But how did you get all of that in, in your, into that timeline? Yeah, you know. <laughs> of youngness. Every artist has such an interesting journey, right? Yes. Um, I started as a performer at a very young age, and kind of what we were talking about before with School of Rock, I went to see a production of The Sound of Music. It was a tour starring Marie Osmond. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. <laughs> as Maria. I loved Marie Osmond. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I went to see the tour with my mom, and I think I was maybe seven or eight. Okay. And I had that light bulb moment because I saw kids on stage mm -hmm. having fun and having a pillow fight and dancing. And I was like, wait, that's something that I could be doing? Mm -hmm. And I remember, I still to this day remember turning to my mom and saying, during the show, I want to do that. And she was like, okay. And, you know, we talked about it afterwards and I was like, yeah, I want to do that. Like, how do we do that? And my mom was a single mom and she like worked really hard to raise my brother and myself. And uh, I don't think she really kind of had any idea what that looked like or what that meant or like how you even get started with something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember she told me, she kind of just like brushed it off and said that yeah, whatever. And then like a week later I said, I want to do that theater thing, what, what we saw. And she was like, oh, okay, he's serious. So she found some classes okay. and put me in some classes. And then like a year later, I was in my first professional production, um, wow. you know, I, which was Gypsy starring Joanne Worley as Gypsy. Ah. And I was a newsboy and it all just kind of happened real quick. And then from there, I just kept performing and, um, you know, doing a lot of community theater, professional theater, um, then I, you know, did all that all through school, uh, studied, and then after was, was done studying theater, um, again, artists have weird journeys. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had this weird opportunity to become a mascot for the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Major League Baseball <laughs> team. Were you the Pittsburgh Pirate mascot for a while? For five years. Oh, my God. After <laughs> I was done with my theater training, I was like, I always loved sports, loved the pirates. I had this sure. weird opportunity and um, I was like, tattoo? it is performance. I do not have a pirate's okay. tattoo. <laughs> I had to know. We got to ask that. I know, but I should get one. <laughs> so I spent five years as a mascot and, you know, shooting t-shirts out of a gun. And that's all, a hard job. Yeah. Actually, those mascots, like that's a hard job. Yeah. We also shot <laughs> hot dogs out of a gun. Um, and you know, but I got to travel and I got to go to all-star games and yeah, it was an incredible right. experience. And I actually had to stop because I was getting physically ill. I couldn't keep weight on. 
Oh. Because I was in this giant mascot costume right. in 90 degree weather yes. for 81 games a season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would like go to Wendy's after a game and like house like four cheeseburgers. I don't even like Wendy's, but <laughs> I just like couldn't yeah, keep you couldn't weight on. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I just had to say, I just have to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was fun and it was a good part of my life. But so then during that, I was also kind of transitioning out of performing into directing. Mm, And I didn't go back to school and study directing. I um, just started kind of working at it. Mm -hmm. And I got my first directing opportunity at a local community theater that I grew up at. And the artistic director said, you know, you've been acting here since you were a kid. I've been watching you. And, you know, you say interesting things. And I can see you watching the directors. And I I think you could do this. I think you could be a director. Oh, wow. Um, And she kind of gave me that first opportunity. Nice. And then from there, just kind of worked my way up. you know, directing at community theaters and then um, associate directing and assistant directing at um, regional theaters, which then kind of led me to my work with national tours and things like that. So yeah, it's just, it's just been a weird journey. And after the pandemic was kind of reevaluating things. Mm-hmm. So kind of to back up, I guess, um, was doing all of the uh, freelance directing and a lot of teaching artist work. And then in, I co-founded a theater company in 2015 which I was also the, the artistic director called Jumping Jack Theater. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which won some awards. You won yeah, for it. yeah. It's, and we, um, really incredible theater company that creates immersive theater experiences for kids with autism and kids with sensory sensitivities. Okay. So I kind of was focusing on that for the last kind of five, six years of my career. And after the pandemic, my goal is to always be an artistic director at a larger theater, something like OCP. Mm-hmm. And I saw this job posting for this position and it's gonna sound cheesy, but I read through it and I felt it mm-hmm. in my chest that like, this is, it. This is my job. That's like, yeah. this is the time, everything that they're looking for, I have the experience. And I just felt it in my bones that I, I'm like, I think I'm gonna get this job. Mm. And it was a long process. It was a, I'm sure, I, I interviewed, yeah. I sent my resume in March and I went through the whole interview process and I think I finally got the offer in late August. Yeah. So okay. it was a really long process, which I'm thankful for that they kind of put me through the ringer. The, the final <laughs> interview was, sure. was in person here and it was three days long. And I woke up the day to come home. My voice was completely gone. Mm. because sure. I was just talking so much. And when you're having to be on for yes. that amount of de- time and it's for exhausting. that many days, yeah. my body was just like, and I went home and I told my partner, I said, if I don't get this job, I never want to go through that again <laughs> <laughs> because it was such a taxing yeah. process. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I'm really thankful that, it, that, it, that they kind of did put me through the ringer because it gave me a really incredible understanding of what I was coming into and the theater here. Mm-hmm. And also it gave me a really great understanding of myself yeah, uh, and what I'm capable of and um, what you're looking for and, and what you're looking do. for. And yeah. yeah, but I'm just so thankful to be here and I'm looking forward to a, a long career here. And mm-hmm. I just, it's just been a, it's just been a dream so far. That's wonderful. I, I love, um, I love that humility. That's, that's really wonderful. And on top of that, you have some experience in diversity and inclusion. And I know that's been something that OCP has wanted to make sure that they expand 
on. And I know we've got Kathy Tyree. Yeah. And you've mm-hmm. got some assistant directors that you're putting into some of these slots that that hit more towards that realm. But do you want to talk a little bit about your experience? Yeah. In that? Um, so I spent a lot of time with my company, Jumping Jack Theater, which was specifically created to, you know, make theater for kids with disabilities um, and essentially kind of an underserved population that, you know, wasn't really given the opportunities to experience theater in a comfortable, safe environment the way that the way that they're going to experience it. Right. So my, my time with Jumping Jack was really amazing. We were doing a lot of educational work in autism and learning support classrooms that, that then we could take that that work back to our creative teams when we were kind of creating our shows mm-hmm. to really make them as accessible as possible and kind of take the feedback that we were getting directly from that population right. to create our shows. But as far as what's going on here, another kind of reason that attracted me to the Playhouse, to coming here was meeting Kathy Tyree and hearing from the board and hearing from, from Katie Broman, our executive director, and seeing that they're wanting to do this work not because it's the thing to do right now yeah. or because there's a microscope on them or a magnifying glass on them. It's because they really care and they really value diversity, equity, and inclusion and accessibility work. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just something that they wanted just to have a feather in their cap. They're really, right. they're mm-hmm. really devoted to doing that type of work as am I. Um, and, you know, there's a ton of work to do. It never stops. And I feel that the Playhouse is going in a really great direction. Um, part of what you're talking about is our directing fellowship program, mm-hmm. where um, we kind of work with directors at different stages in their careers and give them opportunities to assist and direct a main stage Playhouse show. Um, we have this incredible immersive theater experience that we started where we're bringing in high school students from different high schools in the Omaha area, mm-hmm. and they get to spend a full day at the Playhouse to um, really kind of understand that there are a lot of jobs in the arts. It's not just being on stage performing, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's neat. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, that's so, really cool. you know, they these high school kids are coming here and they're spending a full day and they're rotating through the scenic shop and the costume shop and they're talking to the marketing people. And so they see, oh, I could be a marketing person. I could be a, an HR person. I could be a development person helping to raise funds. I could make costumes. I can, you know, run a spotlight that there's so many avenues into the arts that aren't just what we think of as far as performing on stage, you know? And so many theaters that I've worked at only kind of have the bandwidth to put up a show. That's all they can focus on, right? Yeah. Is we, we, right. we can just get the show up, that's all we can do. <laughs> sure. And what attracted me to the Playhouse was that, yeah, they're focused on putting up, sh- putting up shows at a really high caliber, mm-hmm. but we have the staff, we have the bandwidth, and we have people that are dedicated to cultivating community and working with community yes. organizations and breaking down barriers for people who can't experience theater. And I think we're really devoted, I know we're really devoted to that and um, making it truly a place where hopefully the whole entire community feels valued and welcomed. And that's gonna take a lot of work, but we're dedicated to doing that. Well, and I think that's so fantastic because I know in the past, 
OCP has worked with Outlook Nebraska for people who are vision impaired. And I know they do have things for people who are hearing impaired. And now you're kind of adding another layer with some of the neurodivergent performances. And then, of course, we've always got the diversity and inclusion. But yeah. you have specific, so people know, they may not realize this until they get into your ticket page and then realize that you have these options <laughs> for, for people that would that those performances would be more helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're even exploring more options. You know, we do the um, the shadow signing yep. um, ASL cast oh. for Christmas Carol. Yes. And mm-hmm. we just did some sensory-friendly performances for The Giver. And, you know, we're exploring all sorts of new innovative accessibility options for the for the theater yeah. in the future so it's great to yeah. make art more inclusive yeah it's absolutely fantastic. well i'm so glad that you're here and I'm, I'm so glad that you just that you were interested in spending the time with us so that people can get to know you i think that's i think that's really important well, thank you for having me yeah I'm, I'm happy to be here oh wonderful well thank you so much yes thank you very much for your time steven santa the artistic director at the omaha community playhouse For tickets, go to omahaplayhouse.com. Thank you for listening and supporting the arts in the Platte River area and beyond. Please subscribe to our podcast so you are sure to catch all of our future episodes and join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music for this podcast was used with permission by Screaming Skull Productions. See you next time on the Platte River Bard.